Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Happy Thursday. Welcome into the Alana Inquirer podcast going live on YouTube at our YouTube channel and Alana Inquirer. You can check that out. Give us a like, subscribe to us, but it's time for more Illinois basketball offseason talk. And we're sitting here waiting uh, for any kind of news, any kind of visits, uh, any more buzz with some transfers. And I figured to fill that void, let's bring in our guys. Become a, a big national college basketball voice here at 24-7 Sports and Illini Inquirer alum, former Illini Inquirer intern. It's Isaac Trotter. What's up, man? It's been uh what's keeping you busy right now, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's it's on steroids. The transfer portal's on steroids, and it's it's super fun. I think for us who like free agency we really get into stuff like this because it just never changes and you're excited about the potential and the hell of these things. But my God, it feels like there's tons of different names that add every day. And then just the stories you hear from behind the scenes, it's like one day this kid's trending this direction, then the next day he's going to this school and this is the money that he needs here. And then this is happening and there's just a lot going on. I can't imagine even being a coach going through this process because this is this is a, this is kind of like a nightmare for all of them we're trying to build <laughs> rosters and there's just so many names and so many positions and so many different factors that they have to try to all balance all at the same time so Isaac you grew up with a certain style of basketball but um, you know a lot of people don't like what's happening in, in college basketball the fact that you, know, you can't watch Jaden Epps at Illinois for for four years right or, or you know kind of the team develop like that it's a different style of, of putting together rosters it seems like it's year to year now uh, but but give me your wh- what do you think of this do you enjoy this uh, with college basketball um, I don't want you to speak for your entire generation of Gen Zers here but like do you do you enjoy this what do you think of it yeah, I personally do enjoy it. I understand people who don't like it, and I'm I understand that. Like, I get like wanting to see a guy come in and watch it go for four or five years, but I enjoy like the never-ending, you know, ability to change and evolve your roster. I think there were times in the past where you've seen teams that were buried at the bottom of the standings; they couldn't really do much about it. And now, like, there's just one-year rebuilds. Like, we've seen a lot of teams that go from really bad to pretty darn good really quickly. Now, can you win a title in a year? I think that's a real question. But I think there's no doubt that you can upgrade your roster and get yourself in position to be in position really quickly. And so, like, those are the things that I enjoy about it because it's like, you know, you're not locked into being bad. Like, if you're bad one year, that doesn't mean you're necessarily bad the next year. You can continually add talent. I get it's frustrating, but if you're at a program like Illinois who has an NIL base set up and you have decent success to sell, there's no reason why you can't be competitive every single year and you just give yourself bites at the apple. And I don't think that was necessarily the case back when I first started loving college basketball. So that's, that's the fun part that I enjoy. And then just like, I, I enjoy that the kids have options. I really do. Yeah. I think that that makes a ton of sense. And we're seeing kids that mean a lot to these schools or programs. Uh, they're able to get paid. They're able to make some really good money for themselves and they're able to control what they want. And that opens up a whole can of worms, but I think it is a good thing for college basketball. They just have to find a way to, maybe massage it a little bit more so it's a little bit easier for everybody to digest 
Yeah, I think of uh, John Gross. I think he would have loved the transfer portal if he had that, right? Like the ability to, hey, we didn't get the guy we wanted in high school getting a point guard, so let's just go get the mid-major point guard. Um, that that you know maybe I can go get DJ Cooper, bring him along with me if I wanted to. Maybe that changes things for him. So, uh, or or this past year, I mean, we can look at this past year as a disappointment for Illinois, but you know, five six years ago, Isaac, Illinois probably misses the tournament. It's not a very good year. Instead. You know, they're in the Big Ten race until the final week, and they, and they make an NCAA tournament because they're able to go get Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer. And, um, so yeah, there's there's the negative part of it, but for a school like Illinois and, and for a lot of schools, there's there's a positive of it as well. There's there's given and there's take. Agreed, and I think that the NCAA can help out these schools a little bit too. Like the, the new memo that came out about two-time transfers really does change the, the field a little bit because it's going to make these guys who are freshmen who are entering the transfer portal one time those are going to become the most coveted assets in all of college basketball, more coveted than the best players in the transfer, best, you know, players in the high school ranks, maybe even more coveted than like those awesome one year rentals. But with this new rule where you can't transfer a second time, that means like you're kind of locked in for a couple years. So if you have like the Jaden Epps, for example, is a really valuable asset. If you don't think he's going to go to the NBA and next year or the year after, and you know, you have two years of him most likely with the new rules before he becomes a graduate and then can go wherever he wants that really impacts your roster building too. And then the other thing with NIL, I wonder if we're going to see a situation where we have two-year contracts mm -hmm. for NIL, similar to what Nigel Pack got down in Miami. That could also change things a little bit too. So you have a little bit more flexibility from a, a roster building perspective and understanding, hey, we got this guy, we're going to hand him a decent amount of money. And we know he's not just going to bounce after one year for something else. So those are the two different tweaks that I think could be coming eventually that will end up really helping the transfer portal become more you know, easier to digest, easier to enjoy for people who might not love every, all the movement all the time. Yeah. And, and uh, the, I'm not a legal expert, but there's so much going on in, in the legal field with the NCAA. And if they become employees, well, most of us employees sign contracts and we have to live up to those at some point. Like there are ways of breaking them, uh, but it can be painful and costly. So uh, we will dive into some potential options for Illinois, but what are you seeing across the country about how coaches are reacting to all of this, Isaac? Yeah, I think that coaches have to change on a dime. I think Mike Woodson does not necessarily love the transfer portal, but what you've seen at Indiana so far this cycle, super aggressive, understanding he needs to upgrade the roster. Uh, you look at guys like Dan Hurley at UConn, and he had a really nice, like tightly wound group, and he brought in really good recruits, and they're, they're there for a few years. But he went out in the transfer portal and kind of used it to get their Alfonso Plumbers and find, like, the, the nice little role players that helped them get over the top and win the title. So it, I don't think there's an exact science for how to build things. But I don't think a lot of coaches really like that the transfer portal windows opened right after the, the selection Sunday. That was a real problem. So I think if you push those two that back a couple weeks to, like, after the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, that would be a really nice boost for the rest of the thing and make some more coaches happy. But we're seeing coaches throughout the country be it really aggressive. I think we know what Eric, Eric Musselman at Arkansas wants to do. We kind of know what Nate Oates at Alabama wants to do. They're going to be in on everybody. You're going to see Alabama and Arkansas connected or contacting everybody. But the schools that are able to find the perfect fits for them and also understand and sell like, hey, like, this is our fit and opportunity that we have here is better than what you can at other places. I think those schools are the ones that are going to really be beneficial and kind of come out as winners because we'll see a lot of big names that don't, don't necessarily hit in the transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, but the ones that do hit, we tend to see a lot of those same factors where it's like, hey, they understood the fit. They understood what they're bringing to the table. Everybody was on the same page and then good things happen. Uh, can I bring up uh, one Big Ten guy so far? I guess there's a few of them. Um, so I'll just, throw, I'll just throw some of them out there. I mean, Jamison Battle, Ohio State, Peyton Sparks, the Ball State Center goes to Indiana. Um, if there's any more, Isaac, like what's the most impactful one so far for the Big Ten? So far, it's Jamison Battle to Ohio State. I think that was like the perfect fit for what they needed. They really had a hole at the four. They needed a shot maker at the four. I don't expect Bryce Sensabaugh to be back. He's probably one. He's my guy, right? Like I have to really own that one. He's you love those top, Ohio State guards, man. I do, I do. He's probably a top twenty pick in the twenty twenty three NBA draft. So I think getting Battle to Ohio State makes a ton of sense. It, I mean, that Minnesota thing continues to look weirder and weirder. And so Minnesota has to really see where they are right now and let's remember this illinois and minnesota were not that far apart a few years ago and so like that that's the downside to where you could have been at if you didn't embrace nil and didn't embrace the transfer portal and like you could be at a spot where you're in 
Minnesota, where they're like, you know, trying to put together NIL, trying to get guys on campus, not really having a ton of traction with top players in the transfer portal. And they're at the bottom of the Big Ten standings back to back years. So those are like those things that like you have to embrace this new age of college basketball. Illinois has done that. It's not been fully successful, but it could be a whole lot worse, too. Yeah, um, they would take Rich Patino back right now. I think uh, that's for sure. All right, Isaac, um, Illinois has had an eventful last couple of weeks. Jaden Epps, RJ Melendez, the biggest news heading to the portal. Uh, Dane Danger, Sincere Harris announced they're back. Like, I'm thankful when these guys announce they're back because I think it's almost necessary now because all these fan bases are going to be worried about their players and until they hear from them. So we know we're still waiting on Coleman Hawkins, and interestingly, uh, Terrence Shannon has not declared for the draft. He's got two more weeks to do so, of course, and uh, several other guys have not, including Chris Murray and a couple top 20 guys. But uh, just what do you think of where Illinois is? Uh, because certainly, you know, Jaden Nepps felt like a, a piece you could build around. And, and you and I, I think, are both higher on what R.J. Melendez could be, but obviously had a really struggle of a year. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating to lose guys like Jaden Nepps and R.J. Melendez just because you want to build. And when you're constantly trying to upgrade like those supporting cast pieces, that's easier said than done. So I felt like R.J. Melendez could have really – you know, if he if he had gotten through this really brutal year and been a piece for you next year, think about the story that would have been. Think about what that you could have sold on the recruiting trail, or like, hey, we had a guy like who had every chance to transfer, decide to stay, and worked it out. That didn't work out that Similar way. Similar to Coleman Hawkins, right? Totally, totally. And so now it, it operates into a situation where you have to find role players. And I think what we've seen is that it is okay to find role players in the transfer portal, but you thought that Jaden Epps and R.J. Melendez could be stars for you one day. Maybe that's next year. Maybe that's two years from now. Obviously, that's not going to be the case. So I wasn't necessarily surprised with Epps. I wasn't really stunned with Melendez. I, I'm interested why Terrence Shannon keeps posting that he's at Ubbin, keeps working out at Ubbin, and why he hasn't decided to uh, enter the 2023 NBA draft. And I can't help but think that R.J. Melendez and Terrence Shannon were a little bit correlated. I, I just I don't see a situation where R.J. Melendez comes back and, and Terrence Shannon also comes back. I just didn't think that that was feasible. Yeah. But I could have seen a situation where RJ Melendez was more open to coming back to Illinois if Terrence Shannon was automatically gone. So those are open up. So those different type of conversations with, with roster building. And I do think that Shannon and Hawkins, you know, they have to go through the process. And if, if Shannon chooses to go through the process, they also need to give you a decision pretty quick because that really limits how or who and how you attack the transfer portal because you need to know those names or know those dates early before some other schools like say Indiana who's super aggressive right now they don't have to wait on Jalen Hutchifino they don't have to wait on Trace Jackson Davis they both know that those guys are gone and they can sell that playing time right now Illinois is kind of in a little bit of wait and see mode yeah and I get it for Illinois fans are seeing Indiana be uber aggressive and I think Indiana's NIL is is very robust as it you'd expect it to be um, but it is different situations because of that like we know Huchifino is going to be a first round draft pick we know Trey Jackson Davis uh, is going to be drafted and he's going pro uh, Illinois doesn't quite know that of their guys quite yet um, and, and the timing you know, this time last year, Illinois fans are like, where, where are the guys? And they end up getting Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer. And that's where the staff really needs to be plugged in. But I, I would imagine lead guard, right? Like they can sell regardless of whether Shannon's coming back or Hawkins come back. It'd probably even be better if those guys came back. But you can sell that role regardless uh, to, to any lead guard transfer because there's no competition. None, none. And the thing, too, is that, like, for the past few years, I think you've seen lead guards do their thing for the most part with Brad Underwood. So, like, I don't I don't think there's a big concern about being a lead guard for Brad Underwood and if that's a bad thing or a good thing. I think that's strongly a good thing. But there's, like, this this very much of a balancing act on who you want and how you – how, like, I think if Terrence Shannon comes back, you're looking at a guy who can handle maybe more of the lead point guard duties to try to get the ball out of TJ's hands a little bit. But if he's gone, I think you're trying to find a guy who can get a lot of free throw attempts and gets to the rim and is maybe an impact defender. So it's really fascinating the type of player that they go after and how that plays with or plays without Terrence Shannon. And so the other thing too is that like when you have such a blank slate, I wonder how much this first domino impacts the rest of your transfer portal attack. So like that's that, that those are like those interesting pieces. Like if you land a really impactful shooter, does that mean you attack a try to find a defender next or how do those different things play together? And that's where it's fun and it feels like it can change on a dime for literally everybody because everybody throughout the country's also asking these similar questions. 
Yeah, it's uh, pretty insane uh, when you think about it. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Isaac, let's uh, break down some potential targets for Illinois, and uh, one of the guys that I know you are high on is as much as anybody is a guy from northern Colorado, Dalton Connect. He's got one year of eligibility, 6'6", 200 pounds, averaged 20 points per game, shot 38% from three last year. Uh, so why would why do you think uh, Illinois would be a good fit for Dalton Connect, who seems to have options across the country here? Totally, yeah. He's one of the most sought-after players in the transfer portal. He's actually on a visit today with Indiana, so which, again, no surprise, Indiana has a lot of opportunity to sell. But like Illinois, uh, or like Indiana, Illinois has that same type of opportunity to sell. And the thing with Connect that I really liked is he had 138 reps in pick-and-rolls last year. That's almost double what Terrence Shannon had in Texas Tech. So he is very confident with the ball in his hands. He's not a passer, but my God, like he can absolutely fill it up. And the one thing I really think is important with Connect is like, are you bringing him in? here to be like your lead like distributor or do you want him to be off the ball a little bit more because he's a really good catch and shoot guy I think he can attack off of off of you know kickouts and and be in really good position and he's also like a really good mid-range shooter so like you could run some of those sets like they ran for Ayodesumu they played him off the ball got him off multiple screens going downhill I think you could see some similar actions like that with Dalton Connect but again like there's so much competition here and you look at him and he's a pro and so like when you're a pro like you're gonna have a ton of offers and you get old guys who have like that hired hand mentality people could automatically go oh, this is Matthew Meyer again but this Matthew Meyer worked like the, the, yeah. the Matthew Meyer experience absolutely worked and I think you could see connect coming in and and average you know 11 12 points for anybody in the country I think he's easily a top two or three offensive weapon for anybody in the country yeah as a guy who's saying it worked all year I agree with you except for the postseason the postseason right. just did not work out for Matthew Meyer reminds me of Baylor Shireman is that a little bit yeah. yeah, a little bit. Well, the the one thing that Baylor Shireman was a little bit better at is he's a, more of a pass first guy. Yeah, like I don't think you're going to see Connect try to pass up too much. Maybe that was just because who he was playing with. Uh, that was not a very good team, so he had to chuck it a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, with that size and that versatility and the comfortability handling ball screens, that's really enticing. And you know, just the ability to make tough shots. Yeah. That was one thing that I felt like Illinois didn't really have a ton of those guys. Like, and he could make a ton of tough shots, and and Connect could make a ton of tough shots. Plus, like. Uh, I think he's one of those pieces that, like, I don't think he necessarily jumps off the tape defensively, but he has some length. Like, yeah. he really read passing lanes really well, too. So that's the other thing. Like, what is like what does Brad Underwood want to be next year is a really big question for me. And, like, does he want to be this up-tempo team that runs a ton of ball screens? Then Connect could fit. Does he want to run a lot of spread? I don't know if how Connect would fit in that thing because he didn't really play, like, in a system like that in the last three or four years. I want to bring up a guy that maybe we haven't talked about enough on here um, because I think he'd be a really good fit. 
Uh, TJ Bamba out of Washington State, two years of eligibility left, 6'5", 215 guard, averaged about 16 points, shot 37% from three last year. I just saw that uh, John Rostein said he'll announce on uh, the 14th, so a, a week from today. Uh, Illinois was among those schools that that reached out. So what do you think of, of TJ Bamba and, and potential fit at Illinois? he's super strong like he is he's big and he's really physical and you look at him and you go man there's some Terrence Shannon stuff there like if you like Terrence Shannon's film you're gonna probably like a lot of what TJ Bamba does he really is like uh, meticulous in pick and rolls like you see him kind of slow down and like view the court that way and sometimes people view that as a bad thing I kind of liked it I thought he mm. tended to make a lot of good decisions in pick and rolls and then obviously the catch and shoot numbers from three were really impressive as well too I think you know he didn't have a ton of volume I think he shot like a hundred catch and shoot threes last year but it, it he graded out really really highly on that so the other thing too is he is an a lockdown defender like he was one of the best defenders in the Pac-12 last year he moves his feet really really well he's super physical I think he can guard more multiple screen or multiple positions and you envision him playing against you know lead guards in the big 10 and having a lot of success with that like with his defensive abilities so and the other thing too that I like about Bamba is he played with a lot of talent that was a Washington State team that didn't have a great record but they have some real talent some real NBA potential guys on on that roster so he was fine like finding a way to be a role player and that's that's the thing like when we talk about the transfer portal it's like fit and opportunity and what do you want to be what do you envision your role at Illinois is and if Terrence Shannon comes back I think Bamba would be just fine potentially being like the second highest usage rate on the team guy right like that makes a ton of sense for him and would work well for everybody involved so I, I really like his fit although it's been really quiet on his recruitment on who who he's into and who's the teams in the lead like he's kept that really close to the vest there's not been a lot of noise about him quite yet so the fact that he's announcing or what'd you say Rothstein said he's announcing in the next week or so like it, that's the 14th so yeah eight days from now yeah I'm, all right so uh, like that's that's that makes me think he has somebody in mind which is interesting yeah and uh do you, I, I think you talked about this a little bit but do you think he could play with Shannon like yes yes I do like he like I, I don't think he is like a lead point guard but again last year he had 144 pick and roll reps according to synergy that's that's a lot that's plenty so he was very comfortable with the ball in his hand so I think it's one of those things where you could envision like a mid-major point guard who maybe doesn't want to have a huge role with Bamba and Shannon that that's a strong offseason I don't think he's like a catch and shoot like elite elite catch and shoot guy because he didn't have a ton of volume on that last year I think he averaged about three catch and shoot threes a game so it's it's serviceable but it's not a ton I think he was he's kind of like a Matthew Meyer like he'll shoot a decent amount of threes but he's not going to shoot a heavy volume like an Alfonso Plummer or like an LJ Cryer well he led me right into it uh, I know Brad Underwood say he doesn't love uh, little guards but boy he's had some good ones at Illinois and uh, LJ Cryer at Baylor was really good two years of eligibility 6'1 190 15 points per game just two assists I uh, shot 42% from three, 89% from the free throw line. And that is not a small sample uh, three-point shooting percentage of 42%. Uh, he is a bucket, uh, Isaac Trotter. And uh, given what he told Brandon Jenkins, he's looking for a lead guard spot potentially. He said, I don't need to be the lead guard all the time. Well, Illinois uh, certainly can sell that. So what do you think of the possibility of LJ Cryer in Illinois? LJ Cryer is an A-plus offseason. You get LJ Cryer and everything else makes a ton of sense. And the thing I love about LJ Cryer is it feels like he is, you know, the Alfonso Plummer type shooter, but he does way more off the bounce too. So like you can see him get into the lane a lot. He attacks really easily. He can get to his little floaters in the mid range really, really well. And he's just a scorer. Like he's just wired to score. Now the interesting thing with Baylor is that Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer are both on the team and they didn't really have like a natural point guard because they're also bringing in uh, the, the star freshman Keontae George so they knew he was gonna get the ball and Adam Flagler went to the Baylor staff before the season was like I don't want to play point guard and LJ Cryer goes to the staff and goes I want to play point guard well Baylor chooses to play Adam Flagler up point guard <laughs> and so and, and and LJ's like what the heck like I wanted to play point guard and they didn't really let him do it so if you look at his usage rate I think he had the third highest usage rate on the team and partially that was because you know George is going to get his they, they trusted Flagler's decision making so like my concern with LJ is like I think you need to pair him with a real true point guard and then also let him have the ball as well too like maybe another combo-ish where they can both kind of handle it a lot what do you but make of Ty Rogers and LJ Cryer together I mean, that, that's a pretty strong fit, right? <laughs> like, that's a pretty strong fit. Like, that's the thing with LJ. I honestly think he plays well with everybody. 
Like, I think he fits any roster in college basketball. Like, you put him to be a catch-and-shoot guy in the corner, he's great. You put him to be, you know, your number two guy who is, you know, has a heavy usage rate and is maybe when Terrence Shannon's off the floor operates as your number one option offensively, that works as well too. And so you put him with big players who can maybe, you know, defend a lot like a Ty or like a TJ, like that would, that would maybe cover up some of his defensive warts. Cause I wouldn't say he's like an elite lockdown defender, but he, he tries on the defensive end and there were different op- opportunities for him. He just was kind of surrounded by a lot of mediocre defenders so that Baylor defense struggled. But I don't know if it was necessarily LJ Cryer's fault for, for those defensive you know issues. Now I want to talk about the, the competition here is, is really stiff. Um, Houston seems to have some buzz there. Kansas state, obviously, has a great sell so how do you feel like Illinois sell uh, can stack up here yeah I think I think finances are gonna be a big deal for him you know I think NIL is a really impactful thing and you know Matthew Meyer was on Illinois last year and remember Matthew committed to Illinois in late May yeah and so like that was like Memorial Day right so he was still in Baylor for a couple months and Matt was one to talk about what NIL deal he got and I have it on strong authority that that really impacted LJ and LJ's been a you know one of those guys where he's into the transfer portal this is a business decision for him like he's looking to make money and that's fine like we all are and he's looking to find the best fit for him so I do think that Illinois sell is pretty strong I think it's going to be hard to you know to beat Houston because Houston's a really really great sell for him like you know Tramon Mark just left Marcus Sasser just left so you know, you, you see Jamal Shedd as their main point guard. Yeah. They're like, well, he's not going to have the ball in his hands a lot. But Sasser got a lot of on-ball reps last year. I expect Cryer, if he went to Houston, would have the same. They're super close to home for him. So that makes a ton of sense. The Kansas State fit, you know, makes sense on paper, I think, a little bit more than the basketball perspective. Cam Carter's a guy that Kansas State loves, that they really wanted to let him be the stud next year. And if they add another guy, they don't really want him to take away from what Cam Carter is. So that's a question for Kansas State as well if they're going to want to try to bring in LJ and if, if that would work with that. But I, I've kind of view Houston as the leader right now, but if Illinois makes, you know, what Illinois does, a strong NIL pitch, and obviously with the on-ball reps that they can give him and the chance to be, a, honestly, a star at Illinois, yeah. I think he could be that and potentially flirt with 17, 18 points a game. That's as strong a sell as ever, and then you just see what Houston's up to. All right, I'm going to throw a name at you that we didn't talk about beforehand, so this is this is bad producing on my part, uh, Isaac, but I know you're good at this and you know all these guys, so I'm not worried about it. Cormac Ryan out, out of Notre Dame, averaged 12 points a game last year, shot 35% from three, 6'5", 195, shot 40% from three a couple of years ago, was awesome in, in that NCAA tournament. Um and obviously Shrewsbury would seem like a great fit for him uh, coming in, but he's checking out his options. What do you think of Cormac, Ryan? Cormac would be a really, really strong fit if Coleman Hawkins comes back Mm. because Coleman Hawkins is like quarterback type of ways of manipulating the defense only works if you move without the basketball really well. And that's the thing I really liked about Cormac Ryan is that he's a really strong cutter. Like he, he really doesn't stop moving that much. Like you're not going to see much hands on knees, just hanging out on offense. Like he really moves a lot. Boy and cutting was not something this Illinois team did really well. Michael Tua pointed that out every week. Well, and we saw, we saw Coleman Hawkins. He would just get so frustrated because he's standing there waiting for cuts to happen. And they're just not there. I don't think you'd have a concern with that with Cormac Ryan. I honestly am like, kind of put in last year like throw that one out like that that was kind of a weird year for Notre Dame overall they tried to get JJ Starling a lot more you know chances to be the guy as a freshman and that was really iffy and the whole season honestly just kind of spiraled out of control so I wouldn't really worry about that too much he's an awesome awesome catch and shoot guy if you have Kofi on your roster he'd be the perfect compliment Mm -hmm. for Kofi as well if you're going to build around Dane Danger there's a lot to work with there as well. If you think Dane Danger can be a, a guy that's going to command double teams on a consistent basis, adding Ryan makes a ton of sense. And I think he cares on the defensive end too. Like he has real size. He's not going to be some impact defender, but I think he does. He's going to be positionally in the right spot. And is he your version of Jacob Grandison? I don't think that's crazy, even though they play a little bit different positions. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, continue with the guards. Then we'll get into some of these bigs uh, that could be interesting. Cause I feel like the Coleman Hawkins thing might have to play out a little bit. Uh, on the big front, but um, 
I don't know if they have a great chance at this guy, but we know they're really interested, and that's Ace Baldwin. Two years of eligibility left after transferring uh, from VCU. Averaged about 13 points, six assists. Phenomenal defensive player. Uh, the kind that I think Chester Frazier would really like. Chester Frazier has connections to him. Of, of course, his coach just left for Penn State, and uh, Penn State's got a few crystal balls already. But um, Ace Baldwin, worth mentioning here? Yeah, I think with Ace, like you would – you kind of have to build around ace i think you need a ton of shooting around him i don't i don't know if i would love the you know the per, the personnel if you don't have a couple extra shooters around that can really spread the floor but he can he is really good in ball screens he's really tough and the thing is is you get an edge when he's on the floor like i think like he he has some andres feliz in him where he just is so gritty and so bulldogish like he just cares so much about winning and you know in the ncaa tournament game he was really nicked up against saint mary's you know, he missed a ton of time, like in the game, like they go from tied or ahead to down like 18 or, or no, like I think it was 15. They were down yeah. and he's still taping him up to try to get back in there. And he immediately gets in and is going after St. Mary's, even though his ankle was clearly shot. So he's just a really tough competitor. I think like Penn state makes a ton of sense for him just with all the familiarity. But I think if you bring him in and you bring Coleman Hawkins back, I think you play with an edge. Because yeah. you don't play with Ace Baldwin without really like being competitive and really nasty, and like he demands that from his team. We saw that from BCU all year long. So I think if you're looking for a culture guy, like I think there's maybe more talented players other than Ace Baldwin in the portal. But from a culture perspective and like getting guys to buy in and being a natural leader, that's kind of what he's all about. Yeah, with Jameer Nelson off the board, like I don't feel like there's a better guy running a team, right? right. Like that. That's. That's where I feel like he's really like, yeah, LJ Cryer is a way better shooter, offensive, you know, dynamo. But the ball, when yeah, you mentioned just the, the toughness, the ability to make everybody else better and demand better, um, I think is is why he'd be a great get if Penn State does get him. And, and Illinois is interested in him for a reason. So Yeah, and there were times, too, where he would, you know, hold his teammates accountable very publicly for yeah. defensive miscues. Outside like of Coleman last that. year, <laughs> outside of Coleman last year, how many guys were doing that on Illinois? Not a ton. Well, and Brad Underwood had to yell sometimes, which is kind of a hot topic around here because nobody else kind of held them accountable. Um, we saw that a lot from Trent Frazier, Iodasumu, previously. So, yeah, uh, I, um, I I love his game. Do you think uh, Scott Drew yells too much? The nicest guy in college basketball because he has a lot of transfers too. It's weird how that happens. Yeah, it does. Uh, one guy who really intrigues me. Javion McCollum out of Siena. He's got two years left, averaged 16 points, four assists, really natural shooter. Isaac, over 36%. Um, I, I like him. I think he's intriguing. He's got some wildness a little bit to his game, but exactly we're talking about as a multi-year potential guard. Like I feel like he could fit the bill. Totally, totally. So he's on campus today, I believe, at Oklahoma. And Oklahoma's had lost Grant Sherfield. They've lost a bunch of other transfers. I think they've had six transfers leave. The word that I heard was that Porter Moser was going to try to get him on campus and not let him leave. Yeah. They really love him. And that makes a ton of sense, too, because he's he's just a playmaker, big shot maker. He played against good teams this year. Like Sienna, he was a really effective offensive dynamo for them, too. And I think he's capable of running a team as well. So there makes that makes a ton of sense. But I would be surprised if Oklahoma doesn't make a really strong push for him yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, a couple other guards I just want to throw out there real quick. Uh, Damian Dunn-Temple, one year. Average 15 points a game, shot 35% from three. Uh, if he wants to be a, a role player, I, I think mm -hmm. that'd be fine for a year, and especially if he was Terrence Shannon, he could make some sense. Uh, same thing with Justin Harmon, Utah Valley. I, I think if he's bought in just being, hey, I can start potentially at Illinois, um, average 14 points, but that can't be your league guards if those are your guys. Yeah, wouldn't you view those as like your R.J. Melendez replacements? Yes. Especially, especially your, the Temple kid is like, that. that's your R.J. Melendez replacement. Hey, be our fourth best player you know hook and trail on really good shooters shut them down knock down open catch and shoot threes attack and transition and you're set and that's the thing like when you lose rj melinda's like that's the frustrating thing is i felt like he knew what his role was yeah. there was no question about what he knew what his role was going to be if terrence Shannon was on the roster now you have to you know pitch that to a transfer and that might be hard when other teams are saying hey you know follow the brandon pajemski route come down have the ball in your hands go for 22 a game and put yourself in NBA draft conversations. I think that's a you know an interesting conversation for a lot of really talented guys who have options, but do they want to be a role player? That's a real question. All right, we know the name from last year. I got to ask you: Do you take another chance at Brandon Murray 
Georgetown transfer. Uh, has two years of eligibility still left. Don't know if he'll be eligible immediately. That's a huge question with him, of course. Uh, average 14 points, only shot about 39, 40%, though. If he wants to be a role player, you know, if like if that's if that's a role player, I think it makes a lot of sense. I like his defense still. I think that there's a lot there for him defensively to be a really good player. And Georgetown was not well coached at all. Like they ran a lot of ISO heavy stuff. And there would be times where it's just, hey, Brandon Murray, it's your, you get the ball with 13 seconds on the shot clock and now you're going to dribble it nine times and shoot a fadeaway. And like, I think that's why like the efficiency numbers dip. So I think if you get him more in like a structured based you know, system. I think that could be a little bit, make a little bit of sense, but like the, still the flashes from him were phenomenal. He had a couple dunks this year where he just like, he almost jumps over people for, for these just enormous, enormous dunks. But I mean, if you look at the new rule for the NCA for two-time transfers, he would not be eligible. Like coaching changes, they are not giving waivers for that allegedly. Now we'll have to really see if that goes through. And the, the NCAA has never been one to. <laughs> Maybe Brad you know, Underwood would like that. <laughs> he knows he can, ha- he's going to have him in two years. I mean, it's not the worst idea, I guess, but like, it, it, yeah. I just don't understand why guys are trying to think they're automatically going to get this two-time waiver because the NCAA has said no. Like, I just don't. I, there's no precedence for them to give it to him. So, like, why? Why would they? So it's it's weird, even with a coaching change. Which, objectively, if we're going to get on that, that's a dumb rule, by the way. Yeah. If there's a coaching change. Kids should be allowed to transfer, even if it's their second transfer. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it feels like they just would have done that before. Just everybody can transfer without you know penalty, whatever it is. Like, if they would have started that like five, six years ago. I think maybe they wouldn't have blown up like them, uh, like it has now. But I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Let's go to the front court. A guy that really intrigued me when I saw him in Vegas is the way he played. The, obviously, he's a big body. Caden Shedrick, 6'11", 231, two years of eligibility left. Transferring from Virginia, he only averaged six points, four rebounds, a block and a half a game. Uh, but he has, a, he has a high impact there. Um, obviously, the, the fit is interesting, like selling with Dane Danger and potentially Coleman Hawkins. But what do you think of Caden Shedrick? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason why 55 teams or whatever reached out to him that like a lot of people really like him. And I think it's because he knows his role. Like he is not going to come in and be like, I want to be the next Zach Eady. I demand 40, you know, post-ups a game. Like that's just not who he is. So I think just defensively, he he is probably the best defensive big man in the transfer portal. I think right now, Uh, I don't, I should probably have double checked that, but I'm pretty sure he is. And just the impact that he had on the defensive end was just enormous. Virginia was so much better with him on the floor defensively and offensively. So I, I look at him and Coleman Hawkins as the best defensive front court in the big 10. That's if that happens, you're going to get a lot of deflections, a lot of hands on the ball. And like the thing with danger, you know, I hate to say it like this, but like, is Dane Danger, has he shown enough to the staff that you have to like, you know, your roster to building choices yeah. are solely centered around if Dane Danger is happy? I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. And if you could have a situation where Danger's playing 20 minutes and Shedrick's playing 20 minutes and Ooh. you figure it out with, with <laughs> Coleman, that, there's a lot there. You can work a lot there. I don't expect to see a lot of Shedrick Danger minutes. That doesn't make a ton of sense for those two guys to play together. But if they say, hey, we'll be you know, a Travion Williams, Zach Eady like combo and we'll split it 50, 50 because we both foul a decent amount. Sometimes that, that could end up working really, really well. Cause Shedrick is an absolute stud defensively. Like he gets his hands on everything. It's yeah. unbelievable. 
And he plays hard, man. Um, and he's got a little skill to him offensively. Like we were showing some video oh. here on the YouTube. He can step out a little bit. It's not something I want him to do a lot, but um, unlike a danger, I, I think he's at least shown the ability to do to do that, Isaac. So he's a little bit dynamic. And, you know, you talk about rim running. You talk about being versatile. I think he's a guy who could hedge ball screens, right? Like um, be a little bit different than just drop coverage. The other thing, too, that I saw about him is that Virginia, when they will trap big men with him, so they'll they'll have someone else guard like say Coleman Hawkins is guarding you know say Zach Eady comes back and you put Coleman Hawkins on him they will throw Shedrick as like a double on him as well so he is he's really capable of doing a ton of different things defensively he's really well schooled on the defensive end as you would expect at Virginia and I agree with you that there is some untapped upside Virginia's offense has never really like you know that they don't really run a lot of stuff for them they were running there he's used as a screener a ton yeah. And so when he got those duck in chances, he was really good. He was a good lob threat, good role man in pick and rolls. So I think he adds a different d- dynamic. I, I would say the danger is probably a lot more skilled offensively, or you yeah. feel like he can do a lot more offensively. But like Shedrick, I feel like knows who he is and what he wants to be a little bit more. And that makes sense. Shedrick's played a lot more college basketball than danger has as well. So it's that's a very interesting combination because if I really do think if Hawkins is back and you're playing a Hawkins Shedrick front court defensively, like that's that's some pretty pretty scary stuff defensively that Illinois could do regardless on who's the on who's on the perimeter. All right, you gave me one more name you want to talk about, and uh, I don't think he needs any introduction. I feel like I need some music, like glass shatters here, <laughs> Mr. Dickinson. <laughs> Hunter Dickinson um, in the transfer portal. Just what a seismic move. I mean, when Kofi entered the transfer portal, I said it then. He was the most. He's the best player to ever enter the transfer portal. Hunter Dickinson is the best player to ever enter the transfer portal, right? Him and Kofi have to be in that same conversation. Right. It's, you know, it's weird. The way he did it was weird. The way how he's acting now afterward is interesting. So there's just a lot going on with, with Hunter Dickinson. And I just don't know if I see him in Illinois as a really awesome fit together. Like I just, I but could the story, the, the reporting we could do. I think right. it's, it's we our were, dream. Yeah. We were trying to like figure out a list of the, the best places he could go just for the storyline. Like obviously Wisconsin has to be involved with the scumbags comment. Like that's an all time comment. Maryland, Maryland, Ohio state and Michigan state for obvious reasons, you know, and Illinois has to be involved in that because of the, you know, the back and forth with, with Illinois fans, like his tiff with Illinois fans, the stuff with Terrence Shannon, like there's a lot there. So Illinois is in that mix, but I, I still expect him to have his pick of the litter. You know, Kansas has made a ton of sense from day one. Kentucky's involved with him right now. If Oscar Shibway leaves, that makes sense. Arkansas had a Zoom with him. You know, the Maryland smoke is interesting. I I think Georgetown makes a ton of sense going to play for Ed Cooley. Villanova going to play with his old high school teammate and Justin Moore. So there's a ton of things that that make sense for him. But if you bring him in, I think you have to, like, build your entire defensive game plan to get the most out of him or cover up his biggest warts. And does Illinois want to go back to that? I don't know. If Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon are both here, I can see it. Yeah, I, I could see because well, like Hunter knows Terrence. Coleman's openly pining for him on Twitter, which I I love. Um, man, and the Coleman Hunter dynamic would be, I think, fascinating. And then you get a point guard, and like all of a sudden you have maybe kind of a a Big Ten super team. You yeah. do, and the thing with Dickinson too is he's a very good passer. Like oh, yeah. really, really good passer. So like, and, and, and speaking of perfect. speaking of coaching and running stuff, they didn't do much of that. No, no. Uh, the thing with that too, that that whole Michigan scenario is really fascinating because I need to look this up. Hey, are they going to be the first team to have two first round draft picks and an All American and not make the NCAA tournament? Like that, I need to look that up because you know that's unprecedented stuff if they if if buffkin gets into the first round yeah. and if jet stays in the first round it'd be unprecedented stuff and you can understand why hunter's kind of done with it because the thing that i keep going back to with hunter is that like they have never figured out the four it's been since franz wagner went to the nba that he's had a high level four with him that got the most out of him and so if if he's looking at illinois and going i get to play with coleman hawkins that would be the best four he's had since franz wagner so like you kind of can see where the the potential fit there for him would be intriguing, but I don't know. I just, for him to do that, he would kind of get, he would never be able to go to back to Ann Arbor and I would kind of be a little scared for him to play at Ann Arbor. Right. Like I don't that, know if he could cool. right now. I think he would embrace it. I think he'd kind of love it. I mean, no one's embraced being a heel more. I doubt he's going to Illinois. I can, right. I Kentucky, Georgetown, some of these other places, Syracuse has been mentioned 
and uh, some of those places make some more sense. I think we got to remember and, and remind our listeners, like the list we're even providing now is not a final list. Mm-hmm. Like the, the portal is open for another month plus here, Isaac. Um, and we just see, I'm, I, I do this every time I do a live show. We're seeing Creighton guard, Ryan Nemhard intends to trans. He's a heck of a player. I would imagine, you know, Tommy Lloyd at Arizona who got his brother, Andrew to, to Gonzaga, that would make a lot of sense. I would imagine most of these guys who enter the portal who are those kind of names outside of Hunter kind of know where they are going once they enter the portal. A lot of back-channeling going on, a lot of NIL, how are the possibilities going on. But that's why I find Illinois kind of the quiet right now interesting. It is. Um, can we talk about a potential player that could make a ton of sense for Creighton? Sure. If they, he chose to enter the transfer portal, Chucky Hepburn? Like that oh, yeah. would make a ton of sense for Creighton now that Nemhard's gone. Uh, does that open Ryan Kalkbrenner to leave? Does that open like there's a lot of stuff there like going on with that whole conversation with Creighton, and that's the thing. Like this, <laughs> this whole thing can change on a dime because like it has all of these. It it it's like this. Like there's so many different you know dominoes in in place. Like like I look at it like this. Like if L.J. Cryer picks Houston, or no, say let's uh, let's say Max Abe's Asmus picks Kansas State, then L.J. Cryer can't go there. So where does he go from there? Like if Texas, if Texas gets involved with Ryan Nemhard, does that like take them out of other conversations and stuff like that? So like, it's like, it's a very fascinating, like all of these little dominoes that are in place and how does Illinois, you know, get traction? How does their sell improve with or without Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon? I don't know. And I, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of want to get somebody on board quicker because that'll think will kind of impact the rest and start get this snowball going down downhill. It's almost like football recruiting a little bit too, yeah. or in that regard. Yeah, and then, and then there's a whole, I mean, we could talk about this. Brad Underwood's brought up the academic side. Like, transferring some places is harder. Michigan found that out last year. Uh, I think with Terrence Shannon and, and Illinois was there, and they were able to get him in. And, um, you know, we don't know exactly. No one really kind of publicly says what happened there. But obviously both schools were in the mix until the end, and Illinois able to get him. And Hunter said that Michigan's academics got in the way there. Like, there's a lot of things that can still play out here and a lot of names that – that could still enter, but this is a, I mean, every off season is probably going to be this from now on, but there's just so much at stake because you don't have Jade Neps back. You don't have RJ Melendez back. Like you not only have um, the potential to have to fill role players, which I, I, I don't worry about in, in the transfer portal age, but if Shannon goes pro, you, you need a bunch of scoring. Like even if Coleman comes back, you just need a lot of scoring. Yeah. And like, that's like the thing where I talk about like, how, how do the guys fit in place? And like, the thing is that I like is that Ty Rogers, I think could play with anybody. Yeah. Luke Goody could play with anybody. I think sincere Harris can play with pretty much anybody. I think there's a lot of room for growth there. So you like those core Coleman can play with absolutely anybody. Definitely. Yeah. He already, already is included Dane. I, I think that's a question maybe still on like wh- how he potentially fits with certain rosters, but you have those kind of core pieces in place of role players that I'm not really concerned about, but you have got to find some real impact pieces here. And the thing is, is that like, there's even some names that are still floating around that are potentially thinking about going in. And I think we're gonna have another, even, you know, we've called like the second wave of like the LJ Criers, the Max A. Smiths, like all of those type of things, but there's going to be the 2023 NBA draft uh, stay or go situation too. And I think we'll see a lot of people in that draft conversation who decide to leave late and then enter the transfer portal. Like, Matthew Meyer was a similar one. Like yeah. when he entered the transfer portal last year at Baylor, he didn't say anything about it. And then t- 10 days later, he's now entering the transfer portal after going into the NBA draft. So I think that's a whole different conversation with some really good names on that list too. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll give you one. Like I, I'm, I'm willing to spec. I don't cover him. I don't know what he is thinking. I know the coaches said other things, but there's a kid from Plainfield, Illinois, that was a, a star player at Toledo that plays point guard and Ray J Dennis. That sure would make a lot of sense. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, I'm not reporting it, but like, those are the kind of guys I don't see him as an NBA draft pick. He entered the draft. He's going to get his feedback. I wouldn't be shocked if he enters the transfer portal or guys like that. Or think about this too. Like, there's conversations. We, I'm, we're not kidding when you say you need a graphic to say you're staying every single year because there's a real conversation on like, this is how much money I need to stay. And if you don't get that, you're going to enter the portal too. So like there's a lot of these people that are currently not in the transfer portal who no one thinks they're going to leave, but if they don't get the number that they think they want for, to stay for a second or third year, 
they'll enter the portal too. So it's just like, like that's that's where the that's the part of the game where I understand why coaches are frustrated or why fans can get frustrated because that's not easy. It's like you kind of like you're like okay the season ended when like we're eight weeks removed from the season ending and now you're entering the portal like those are the those are the frustrating things that could happen and i do think the other thing too is as soon as these first dominoes of of transfers committing there's gonna be guys on the roster too they go wait he's in i don't know if i want to play with him brandon pajemski totally so like those are all of those like like that's why this thing is far from over which is why i don't think it's necessarily bad that illinois is laying in the weeds right now maybe it's not bad that they haven't had like a ton of people on campus yet but it's it's a situation where you kind of have to act quick when, when you have to pounce when that time comes. All right, let's get a, a few questions, Isaac, uh, before we get out of here on our live YouTube chat. Let's talk about how underrated T. Rogers is. What do you think T. Ro- Ty, Ty Rogers can be next season? Because this is what I love. Like it, Ty Rogers comes back, and you can build on it what you saw last year, which was a guy going through some struggles, overcame it, became an important part last year obviously not a complete player but i think ty rogers can be a star by the time he's an upperclassman but what his sophomore year look like will be interesting yeah i think you look at andre jackson from uconn and go can you be 80 percent of what he does as a connector fly around the floor play great defense pass and and uh, obviously get a hands on a lot of deflections and stuff while also posting a ton of people up like that's the one thing that Andre Jackson does not do that Ty does is we saw a real strong back to the basket game from him where he can bully little people. So like, I think you're going to see a, a Ty Rogers that you know, I I don't expect him to be Illinois' leading scorer next year, but he can be one of the most impactful role players in the Big Ten with the right roster construction around him. Whether that's you know you know going for six or seven rebounds a game, just three three or four assists a game connecting defensively being your defensive stopper either off the bench or in the starting lineup like he's a really really impactful piece and you know I think the other thing too I like about him is it feels like he gets it and so many guys like don't understand their role or don't know what their role is or you know you know want to be something that they aren't and I think he knows exactly who he is a top 50 guy who comes in and doesn't have the expectation that I'm going to score a bunch right like the fact that in high school he had to be told by his coaches, hey, try and score more. Like, he was trying to get his teammates involved so much. Like, that, you know, can be frustrating maybe at times. And at times, like, when he becomes a star, you got to take over. But um, I, I think that shows, like, he just makes a huge impact in winning on every way. He's not a shooter. Like, he, right. he just isn't a shooter. Maybe he can get a little bit better. I'm most concerned about free throws. He needs to get better at the free throw line because he can get to the free throw line so easily and get so many points there. But we did see what he can do offensively with the runners, with the back downs, with his ability to finish at the rim, just like him to maybe get a left hand around the rim. He kind of has like some Paul Mulcahy stuff in the lane. Kind of old man game. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit like Paul Mulcahy is able to get in the lane and kind of do what he wants to do. And obviously like Mulcahy is more of a traditional point guard than I think Ty will ever be. But it, just having that as a secondary guy that can dribble the basketball up the floor, like as 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 low as as like low IQ as that sounds, just having something like that is, is awesome. Kane, I love the thought of a Jalen Pickett play style ceiling for Ty Rogers down the road. Yeah, but Jalen can shoot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he's not the best shooter, but uh, he he can shoot a little bit. Well, my my new thing now is that like I think a lot of guys who are not the most athletic are going to consider themselves the next Jalen Pickett and pick up. Like when you're going to play pickup, they're going to describe their game as, yeah, I'm like a less athletic Jalen Pickett from now on. Booty ball. Just booty exactly. balling everybody. Uh, Kevin, just like Kofi entered the portal and came back, where the odds guys like RJ or Jaden come back? Seems like zero for Jaden Epps, and I would imagine zero for, for RJ Melendez. Yeah, that, I, I just don't foresee that. I think um, Jade Epps has a visit to NC State lined up, which makes a ton of sense with how they play their guards. Georgetown, I just think the path for immediate playing time at those two places is going to be hard. And, you know, obviously with RJ, we'll see how it goes and who's, who's involved. But, you know, I keep looking at RJ and thinking like if he transfers down like pods, that would make a ton of sense. But there's also a lot of SEC, you know, schools that are not that great right now that have a lot to sell. So he could be really intrigued by that amount of playing time that he can for sure walk into there. Leo, can you address the elephant in the room? Is BU's personality and post-game press conference annex playing a role in some of these players leaving Illinois. I haven't tried to avoid this whatsoever. Uh, I think it's clear Jade Neps and his people made it pretty clear. They did mm-hmm. not love Brad Underwood getting on Jaden the way that he did. And I, I do think Brad has to know which players he can push like that. I do think he needs to hold players accountable when they make mistakes. He did play Jaden a lot. Um, he defended RJ, played RJ a lot. He got on RJ at times. But I think you know who you're signing up for, Brad Underwood. But yeah, I, I do think there's 
an adjustment you have to make as a coach of when can I do this, when can I not. I think Brad did that at times during the season, but uh, it is a, a middle ground he probably has to find of how can I hold these guys accountable, be myself, um, because in the transfer portal age, man, like th- those guys can leave right away. Yeah, I mean, I look at I look at Scott Drew and you know, super nice Christian man, always positive. You know, has like this culture of love and you know, very like outspoken about trying to make a players only environment. And he has LJ Cryer transfer. He has Dale Bonner transfer. He has like real issues with Flo Thamba. Like, <laughs> like there's like a lot going on there. It feels like it doesn't matter if you're awesome, nice, beautiful, you know, rah rah type of coach. Guys will transfer if they're not happy with their roles or happy with their NIL or happy with whatever, or just don't like school. Like that's also a factor too. So I I understand the frustration with, you know, Brad's antics or if it's like a, you know, a real issue maybe, but like, you know, there's really nice coaches that don't yell at their players either that have a ton of transfers too. Yeah. And I have people ask me like, would you want your kid to play for a guy like that? And I'm like, as long as that guy makes my kid better and my kid improves, not only as a player, but as a person, under him and we've heard plenty of guys talk about that whether it's Trent DeMonte you know you go through the list we've got Terrence Shannon certainly feels that way Matthew Meyer raved about Brad Underwood even though he said yeah he's an intense guy uh but I thought you know like they kind of get the best out of each other a little bit there for for a large part of the season so um yeah I think it's just depends on who you are I am a little surprised some of the guys who committed to him out of high school, knowing who he is, knowing how he is, develop a relationship with him a little bit, um, that they've kind of been the ones to transfer here right away. Yeah. Is it weird that I'm more interested or concerned with what this offense slash defense looks like, what he wants that style of play to look like than his antics like that that's maybe more where i'm at like yeah if if i'm gonna be more critical about like it's almost like you spent all off season with this one style of play and then it was terrible and you had to switch it Mm -hmm. which i I wonder what you think about this hypothesis maybe they should have just stuck with their style of play um they might not have made the tournament that was the issue but i still think the the five out the switching might have been better at the end of the season i just don't know if they have enough wins to get the NCAA tournament Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have it in the back pocket. I didn't like that it was all one this and then yes. always that. And like it I would like to maybe enter like But that was one of my that was one of my five biggest keys of the offseason was figure out a style of play that's actually gonna work for your team. Yeah. Like evaluate your own team during the offseason a little bit better. Well, and then like the transition stuff. Illinois is supposed to get a ton of free throws and make a ton of easy baskets in transition and that never really materialized. I remember at Big Ten Media Days, Brad and I were talking about that. I'm like he was really excited about the transition that this team could play could play or he thought that they could potentially lead the country in offensive efficiency and transition and that wasn't even remotely close partially probably because they couldn't get stops at times partially because of the live ball turnovers all of those things played into it but Illinois was supposed to be this awesome team in transition it felt like they couldn't get to that gear uh, Niall asked, do you think I, LJ Cryer could be a pure point guard for the Illini if he transfers we need a distributor uh, no he's not a pure point guard He's not a pure point guard, but I think there's more meat on the bone than a lot of people expect. I think I think he would be fine, but I think you probably need a second one. Kevin, when did the domino start falling? Was the first big date we could start expecting to see the landscape clear up a little bit? I, I think this is the first slash second wave of transfers, Isaac, and we're starting to see some of these guys whittle down lists, make decisions. Um, and, and somebody asked else asked, like, can we get a can we wait for the lead guard and get a shooter now? Sure, I, I think those can happen. I'm I'm really interested to see when the first domino falls for Illinois. Yeah, I, I don't think there's one timeline that fits everything. I think every every school's on different timelines. And again, I, I go back to it. I think that the, the conversations with TJ and Coleman have to become clear. Like, they don't have to necessarily announce it, but if they can back channel to the staff or quietly tell the staff, like, what they're really going to probably end up doing, I think that'll really impact what Illinois does or their timeline. And remember, like, it was Memorial Day last year for Matthew Meyer, so it can – you know, buckle up and get ready to roll because this is going to be a, a wild ride for the next six to eight weeks. And Terrence Shannon was NFL draft weekend, which is the last weekend of April. So right, it, sometimes it takes time and that can be nerve wracking. But I do think Illinois will get talent. Like at the end, Isaac, like we talked about guys like Justin Harmon, I feel like that's the floor for Illinois. Um, so they, they're going to get some guys who can help them. But it, unless Shannon and Hawkins both come back, they need a dude in here as well. I think they need two. 
I think you have you have to find two and you have to hope that they play together well and then you know you figure it out from there because I, I again like I'm still like I don't want to say like I'm not high on Dane like I think there's a lot there with Dane like he can be a really really impactful piece for them moving down the road can he be your third leading scorer next year I think that's not unrealistic but you have to find guys that accentuate and get the most out of him and also maybe cover up some of the flaws on some of the other parts of the roster. Now, if you get Shannon and Hawkins both back, just give me a lead guard and let's go, let's go to battle. Well, I mean, you look at it, you go, I mean, LJ Cryer, mid-major guard, Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins, Dane Danger, pretty feel good about that, right? Like you feel really, really good about that. All right, Isaac, appreciate you taking out the time to do this, man. Uh, Thank you for joining us on the live stream as well. Great insight as always. Anytime. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to the Line Inquirer podcast. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, give us a follow, rating, subscribe to us, hit the like button, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts as well. We will continue to keep you up to date throughout the college basketball offseason. Of course, have some football updates as we go along as well. So everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Line Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.